Hello, heroes. Welcome to Modifier. I'm your host, Megan Dornbrock. Hey there, heroes. It's almost November, which means conventions are just around the corner. I'll be at Metatopia from November 3rd through the 6th in Morristown, New Jersey, along with the rest of the OneShot Podcast Network hosts. Except Pranks. Have I mentioned Pranks is joining the network? If you don't already listen to his current show, Never Tell Me the Pods, you'll remember him as Modifier's guest lawyer. He's joining us soon with an actual play podcast. Yay, Pranks! Welcome to the network! As for Metatopia, I'll be on two panels on Saturday, one in the morning about hacking games with Brandon and James from Stop, Hack, and Roll, and one in the evening about accessibility in games, along with Elsa from way back in episode one, and some other great folks. More details can be found on the Metatopia schedule and the Modifier Twitter. The following weekend, November 11th through the 13th, I'll be at a catacon in Dayton, Ohio, which James and Kat will be at as well. I'm not running any scheduled games, but I'll have plenty of things with me for a pickup game of Dragon Age, Golden Sky Stories, or maybe a few other TBD surprises. Keep an eye on the Twitter for that info, too. I hope to see you at either con, so please come say hi. Last time we discussed how to make your games bigger, so now we're going to get smaller. This is the second part in our pair of episodes on scaling games, and this time the focus is on games for two players, or one player. To follow the theme, we kept the guest list small. Jeff Stormer, host of the Party of One podcast and resident two-player game expert, joined us to talk about the games he's played, as well as those he's modified to fit the very small table. Let's get to the show. Joining me this week is Jeff Stormer. Jeff, uh, why don't you tell people a little bit about who you are and where they might know you from? Sure. Um, I host a podcast called Party of One. It is an actual play podcast focused on two-player role-playing games. So every week I sit down with a guest one-on-one and we play through either a role-playing game designed for two or a role-playing game that is compatible with two that we've sort of hacked and retrofitted into being playable with two. Awesome. Uh, We like those words. How did you get into specifically two-player RPGs? So I got into them, I guess, about six years ago, right after my girlfriend, now wife, and I moved in together. We I had Mm -hmm. sort of like just left a gaming group and did not have a regular group to play tabletop with, and was like looking into it. I tried a few different things, like I signed up for meetups and stuff like that, and just nothing was clicking and. Jen suggested, hey, why don't you try, like, looking up if there's a game that just the two of us can play together. So I kind of started researching that, and when I started researching it, like, six years ago, the, the, there was not a whole lot of information out there. Yeah. So it was a lot of frustrating people being like, yeah, you could probably just play D&D and uh, (laughs) maybe have four characters, that'd be fun, I think. And it, but uh, since then, so it's always been kind of a, that's been kind of a driving thing of like researching it and figuring out what's out there. And then I decided I, when I realized, when I decided I wanted to do a podcast, I was like, Hey, this, this is a thing that I've already been like looking into and thinking a lot about. So I could probably do that. Yeah. And it's worked out pretty well. Yeah. I, awesome. I think so. It's a great show. Um, not that I, I'm biased or anything. I, I think so as well. And I am incredibly biased. That's fair. So, so suggestions that you were finding was that to to have one person be the 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 DM and the other person play as four separate characters. Yeah, that was pretty much the only like that was almost all of the things I had found was like you'll probably have to have them play all four characters. And I was oh like, that sounds God. 
incredibly unsatisfying. Like, that does not sound like a good experience. And there were yeah. maybe, like, two or three resources out there that were, like, talking about kind of what I ended up pursuing, which is a lot of how do you balance a game with just one player character? Like, there's a great blog mm-hmm. series. There was a great blog series on RPG Net about duets, and there was a solo a blog series about a couple doing like Pendragon, King Arthur Pendragon, with a single mm-hmm. player, like, player. And so those like those were sort of the big things. I was like, okay, so this is this thing that I want to do is doable. Now it's a matter of figuring out how it works. Absolutely. Jeez. So so about six-ish years ago, you know, there weren't that many, if any, of these two-player games. When did you, when did you start the Party of One podcast? When did you jump back into two players? Um, this was almost exactly a year ago. I think it's a year ago next Tuesday. Oh, hey, happy birthday. I like you. And there's there's a lot of games out now that are specifically for two players, right? Yeah, there's been a real explosion in the last, like, five years. There's been a real explosion in the last five years, and it's been really exciting to watch that and really get to see how it's changed from when it was. They'll probably have to play all four players to, hey, here's a game that is specifically designed for two people to do in an hour that, like, understands how it's going to be different and, and like, better and, you know, understands the challenges and appeals of a two-player game. Do you think that has anything to do with the kind of upsurge of indie games and micro games and things like that? Or, or do you have any thoughts on why two-player games are, are available and popular? I think that has a lot to do with it. I think that I was talking with Hannah Schaefer about this. She designed 14 Days. Mm-hmm. And I think we both sort of agreed that like Kickstarter, crowdfunding, micro games, they all, all these avenues and like the internet as a publishing tool in the last like five years has really allowed for a lot of weird little idiosyncratic games and a lot of those like fit a two player format. Like when you're not, when like you have the ability to crowdfund and say like if you're interested in this, like let's make it happen, or if you're interested, or if you have the ability to just put something on drive through and say if you want it, it's there. Mm-hmm. You can make a much you can make a much smaller story. You can tell a much smaller story, and that allows for like games that wouldn't really fit that mold, and two player games fit into that. That's very cool. I'm I'm really happy to see all the kinds of nuanced games that are coming out of this little yeah it's a revolution. It is. It's it, great. Yeah, it's super. It's it's so exciting, especially as a fan of two player games. It is so mm-hmm. exciting to be to see like people making these things and to like stumble on them because it's a lot of, and it's a lot of one of the, one of the things I really like about having done this podcast is now people will send them to me. Like if somebody makes a thing, I will get like a bunch of Twitter notifications and I'm like, great, this is super up my alley. Like I remember when, gosh, I remember when a single moment came out Mm. and everybody was like, Hey Jeff, Hey Jeff, here you go. Here's the thing. And I was like, why yes, I why yes, this is extremely my up my alley. Thank you. <laughs> oh, they're so good. Are are you still playing these like with your wife now that you've been playing them with strangers on the internet for a year? Is this something you two still do? Still do? Um, we we try occasionally, but it's definitely dropped off. Mm-hmm. I think that, and I think it's, but it's ultimately fine because I like one of the things that I think is is uh, worth pointing out is like we were doing this for a while. And then we both, then 
Jen stumbled upon a thing called professional wrestling and dragged me <laughs> into it. And that became, and so like, we sort of found a thing that consumed a great deal of our time. Mm-hmm. And so like, that was a thing. So like, we don't play it as much, but it's partially because we're spending a lot, a lot of time doing other things. Yeah. And so like the podcast also has helped with that because like, I still want, I still enjoy doing them even as we, even as we are spending days watching watching men hit each other yeah it's nice to have variety (laughs) yeah it is so now that you have played a lot of these games uh whether they're explicitly for two players or you have made them for two players uh with a wide variety of people what is appealing about a two-player rpg to you the things that really appeal to me about a two-player rpg are there's a real sense of intimacy because if you look at tabletop role-playing games as a conversation, you're having a conversation with just one other person for an hour, and that's like a that's a very much different experience than six people sitting around a table. And I really enjoy that. I think I, I think I function better in that format than I do when there are six people. And so mm, I really okay. like that aspect of it. I also like the change in scope. I like that you can make a game that is about something much more specific. Uh, as a two-player game than if you were to write... Like, I like that you can make a game about a child that has lost their pet and an and a, a unreliable doll. I think that's cool. Like, I'm like, mm. oh, that's a story that I'd like to tell, and I don't think I'd be able to tell that story with six people. Yeah. So those are the things that I think that really appeal to me. Okay. And what is that like, like that having that level of intimacy with, like, a relative stranger? You know, it's one thing mm-hmm. to play it with your with your partner, but you play it with people that you may not have even met in real life. Yeah. That has been challenging but rewarding. That has been uh, something that I – that's been a skill that I've kind of had to develop, but it's been one that I've wanted to develop for a very long time, is the ability to be immediately comfortable with someone that you're not – that you're not familiar with mm-hmm. has been – has been not – was never – has never been my strong suit. I tend to back off and the podcast has sort of forced me not to do that. So that has been satisfying. It is sometimes challenging to – it sometimes requires a little bit more conscious forcing of I need to be vulnerable right now. Like um, mm-hmm. I remember we played a game. We played Our Radios Are Dying. It was uh, Strix and I. We played oh, that and we this that was the first time we had actually spoken in person. Yeah. And like getting into that space was – it took a little bit – there's a – it took a little bit – of a long time to like warm up so that we could kick off the game beforehand just to make sure that we were both in a space where we could get to that level of like real yeah. intense emotional vulnerability. That's, that's another solid argument for podcasting as therapy. Yes. <laughs> oh, I firmly believe, yes, the podcast has been good for me in a lot of ways. And games. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice combination that has been very good to me and for me. Cool. Are there any other ways that come to mind that um, that two player RPGs are different from like bigger group role playing games? Yeah, I think yes. I one thing is that like you're carrying more of the narrative because there's only the two of you. Mm-hmm. If you look at role playing as like a shared storytelling process, which is how I look at it, you know, you're you're sharing it with fewer people, which means you're care you're holding more of that narrative. Which means that there's both, and, and that's really like a challenge and an op, a challenge and a like a plus and a challenge because yeah. like you have to you have to do more when you're playing a two player game. But the other side of that is that you get to do more. You know, you get more of the spotlight. Oh, yeah. 
but the challenge is that you're in the spotlight for longer. And you mentioned before, too, that you get to tell very specific, very, like, you know, small stories, very specific stories. Uh, are are there games that you've played with two the two player RPGs that are more of those like sweeping epic kind of you know Dungeons and Dragonsy kind of games? Oh yeah, I I super love and I love I mean I as much as I love tiny weird stories, I also mm-hmm. love you know kicking open a door and fighting a dragon. Like that's a <laughs> a style of storytelling that I like is sometimes just doing that. And I think yeah, I think that you can absolutely tell that kind of a story, and I think it's really fun. Because it's a, again, it's a different, it's like a different vein of sort of epic sword and sorcery type storytelling than what you'd get if you were to play like with a full group. Because Mm -hmm. if you play with a full group, it's a bunch of people working in tandem. But if you play with a single person, you get that sort of like Conan or Red Sonia (laughs) or like Farfit and the Grey Mouse or where it's that one person that's just like, yeah, I'm going to bring down the house. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And I think that's really cool, and that's a thing that I enjoy doing a lot. Cool. Have you modified any games or systems that aren't necessarily built from the get-go to play two players to do that? Yes, yes, I have. I've done it a great many times. I actually, um, I would say it's probably about half and half for games that I've played on the show is about half of, like, modified oh, wow. games that weren't designed for two and then games that were designed for two. It might tilt in more in the direction of modified games, but... I, tr- oh, wow. I, I try to strike a balance, but yes, I've done it a great many times. Awesome. What are some of the games that you've modified? Um, some of the ones that I've done, like done recently is we did uh, dungeon. I've done dungeon world a few different ways that was, and that worked, that one worked really well, better than I thought mm-hmm. it would. I was real happy with dungeon world. Um, okay. I've done just regular dungeons and dragons, mm-hmm. played a few different fate games with a single player. Okay. So yeah, a lot of like I guess like the big box games I think are ones that we've played on the show with a single player. Um so like White Wolf games. I'd like to play Traveler at some point, but I haven't found Ooh. the right opportunity. I think that game would be really fun with a single player because I think the character generation just could be the full episode and I wouldn't have to actually play anything after that because I think and I think that would tell a very specific story. So I think that one would work well, but I haven't gotten to play it yet. That would be cool. The the games like that, like Traveler and Dungeons and Dragons and Dungeon World and all those where the um, the character creation is, there's sort of an expectation that you're going to build a party that complements each other, you know, mm-hmm. where, where somebody has their strengths, you know, there's another party member to fill in their weaknesses. How does that play out when you only have one or, or possibly two players, I guess, depending on how you've set up your, your two-player RPG? What I've found is that it, 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 push, it reflects back more on the what I found is that it push, uh, reflects back more on the GM than it does on the players. Like, if you have a much more specific niche group, and I think this is something that's true for... It's very, extremely true for two-player games, but I think it's something that expands our scales out for a larger group, is that if you have an extremely niche party, you have to you have to keep that in mind, and you have to prep an extremely niche game. So, like, mm. if I if my only player is a, is a rogue, is a, like a pickpocket thief... It force it sort of pushes me into a position of okay how do what story do I want to tell with this pickpocket thief I want to tell a story where they're going to be picking pockets and something happens and trauma spills out from there and I think you can scale that out I think it's interesting to scale that out and be like okay if I have a party of only bards then obviously I'm going to tell <laughs> like a Josie and the Pussycats rock and roll mystery type game where like performance and 
you know, performance and friendship and camaraderie and all the other things that like bards do are sort of intrinsic to those char- to that's to the story that we're telling because mm-hmm. that's the thing that's intrinsic to all of my characters. I'm just envisioning this game now. Yeah, right. Sounds fantastic. I this was I was an example that somebody mentioned to me literally the day after I released the first episode of Party of One. I remember somebody being like, "Yeah, if I play a bard, then I'm just gonna have to be like a rock and roll guy." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> yeah, like, tell tell me more. Like, tell me more, though. I'm, yeah, I'm, li- yeah. I'm listening. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, specifically, Dungeon World is one that you tackled recently, and in two different ways. Yes, that I'm aware of. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So, I, so we've done it twice now. Um, the first one we played with a guy named Brandon, who does a thing that I don't, I don't remember the specifics of it. That's some dumb podcast. Hold yeah, on. right. <laughs> um, so we played it GM list, which is we both played a character and. We put together, we crowdsourced a like list of room descriptions for a dungeon, and we ran it essentially GM-less. We would randomly select a room, we would each play a character, and then whenever one of our characters performed an action, the other player would sort of slot into the GM role. So we were both being both we were both being both a GM and a PC, mm. and that worked out surprisingly well. I was I was a little bit worried about it going in. Okay. But it felt really natural and I think that given I think dungeon the way Dungeon World works like where the GM is never rolling anything and the GM is sort of a set list of conditions of if the player rolls this then perform this action. Mm-hmm. I think that worked really well where we were switching off roles like that because it meant that we were able to very quickly hop into that role, decide on a consequence and hop back out. I was okay. very happy with how that turned out. And then the other way uh, I played it with my friend Aaron, who's my co-host on my other podcast, uh, we did it. And this is somewhat ironic given the fact that I was criticizing this like 10 minutes ago, is <laughs> I had Aaron just play a full party of characters. He played all three different characters in one go. Okay. And that one weren't okay. Surprised, like it went pretty well. There was not as much... The the one thing I noticed that was lacking was there wasn't as much character interaction. Yeah. There was a level of remove there, but like in terms of but like it still had the feel of a very, of a fun sort of traditional dungeon crawl game. Okay. I bet as the player you start to feel uh like like maybe you've lost your grip a little bit if you start interacting between those characters too much. Yeah, and we did it a few times where like he would play like if he wanted to interact between two characters, I would step in and play the other character that he wanted to interact with. Mm, okay. And that was a that was a fun way of doing of like getting still getting the interaction scenes. But I found that also when you're when he was juggling that many characters, he wasn't thinking so much of I think that these two people should have like a conversation. Yeah, it's almost like facets of the same character. Yeah, it and sounds it, like yeah. Yeah, it was and it was it was interesting. It was neat. It was like neat to see it work. Like it was mm-hmm. it was cool to play the game, but I also the whole time I was kind of also watching it at like a reserve of like, okay, this is a thing that's working. That's neat. <laughs> is it something that you would play more sessions of that way, do you think? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think that we okay. I think that yeah, I would I would, and I think I'm very surprised by that, given how skeptical I was when I saw people say that <laughs> six years ago. I think I'm yeah. surprised by how much I enjoyed it. Now, I, I I kind of feel like Dungeon World has a lot to do with that, and I wasn't aware of Dungeon World at the time. Actually, mm-hmm. don't know if Dungeon World was out when I was doing this. I don't Probably remember I don't when it came so. out. I think anyway, it's been recent, yeah. 
Um, yeah, I, I think Dungeon World played a role in that because Dungeon World, in addition to having, because like Dungeons and Dragons, no matter what edition you're looking at, pretty much everything is built around combat. Mm-hmm. All of your all of your toys are toys that are going to come up when you're fighting a goblin. Whereas Dungeon World takes such care to like be like, yeah, when you're making camp, here's a cool thing you can do. You know, when you're just traveling from place to place, here's a cool thing you can do. And I think that has sort of allowed for allowed me to feel more like every character was having had opportunities to shine, and I think that helped the the party structure. Awesome. So so either one of those approaches uh, definitely wouldn't feel the same in Dungeons and Dragons. Do you think either one of them would work? I I do think I don't know. I don't know that I don't know that either of them would work particularly in Dungeons and Dragons. I think that mm-hmm. having one player controlling a whole party might work. Like, I could see that working, but I could see that also, like, the thing that I really like, the thing that surprised me about the way the Dungeon World worked was it still felt like, it still felt like we were sort of, or rather that Aaron was still, like, role-playing in a fundamental way. Like, he was still, like, like getting into the heads of these characters and, like, sort of experiencing what they were experiencing. What I worry about if you were to do sort of a traditional, like, 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons game with that is that it would start to feel like a game of Castle Ravenloft or one of those like miniatures D&D dungeon crawl games. And there's nothing wrong with playing those. I enjoy those games a great deal. Mm-hmm. But I think that but I think that you might you would you would lose an element of the game that I appreciate if you were if you were managing four players very in-depth combat abilities with consumable resources and mm-hmm. you know like position it like physically moving things around a map because positioning matters in a game like D&D like yeah. I worry that you might be focusing so much on the tactical parts that you, it would be hard to then switch over to the storytelling bits. Right, you you're not really given a chance to inhabit those characters to yeah, find out right. what's going on there. Yeah. Interesting. So now that you've, you know, modified several of these games, what tips do you have for people who want to do the same? Like, what do you need to keep in mind? What are good systems or, or maybe what are difficult systems? Anything like that? Yeah, the the hardest thing to account for, like the hardest thing to adapt to a single player format is any game that requires a lot of, like, that has social mechanics. Like, social mechanics are, I think, the thing to be wary of when you're okay. like hacking a game for a single player or for two player play apocalypse world is out <laughs> yeah like apocalypse world and that's one of the reasons why dungeon world required so much like finagling because mm-hmm. bonds and relationships are just are baked into the system yeah and it is very and so for a long time i said dungeon world was 100% out yeah and it was only in the last few months that i was like i'm we're going to give it a shot i got cocky <laughs> and i said we're going to do this mm-hmm. but yeah, like Apocalypse World, I don't believe you could do it. In the same way like Monster Hearts, I don't yeah. believe those are games that you could really do it because so much of that is how you relate to the other people at the table. Yeah. Another very specific example I'd point to is uh, One Last Job. Mm. I don't believe that's a game – like, and you maybe could, but I don't think that you would have the same – I don't think it would be as fun as if you were to play it with a group. Yeah, it's it's so crucial in that game that you're building off what the player before you has set up. Yeah, and it's and it I think I think doing it with two would betray the would betray the source material because you're not going to have this elaborate seven stage heist that every player has to have has to like perfectly slot into. You're going to have two things and 
that feels that doesn't feel heisty to me. Yeah. So I think though I think games with like in like social mechanics baked in are very tricky to adapt. Mm-hmm. The other thing that is tr- that isn't so much tricky to adapt as just something that you have to keep in mind are games with like hard mechanical balance. Like uh, and Dungeons and Dragons is I think the the sort of perfect example of this. Mm-hmm. Like where Every monster has, this is the level of character that we have designed this monster to fight a group of. I think those games are trickier to sort of tackle because then you have to sort of get into the math of it and be like, okay, how, like, why, you have to figure out why, they, why the designers have said that. And then from there, dig into like, okay, well, then I'm going to have to account for this in X, Y, and Z. I think that's that's more doable than the social mechanics, but I think it's something you have to keep in mind because you don't want to, you don't want to you know destroy your player in <laughs> usually yeah which actually that's a story that's a storytelling thing i have learned over the i've learned over the years that i think is very important to two player games especially when you're sort of hacking them mm-hmm. is be very aware of death and be very aware of other things that you could do to a player like other non-fatal I guess lose conditions if we were thinking about it in computer like video gaming terms. Because if you think about a D and D game, mm-hmm. you have four players. You get into a fight, it goes badly. One of those players dies. You go back to town. Maybe they roll up a new character. Maybe you have a resurrection scroll. That those three, but those three other characters have all of the information that they had at the end of the game. They have all of the connections. They still slot into the narrative. Gotcha. If you have one player, if you have one character, and that one character dies. That's it. Like all of those, all of that narrative momentum is gone. And that might be like what you're going for. Like I'm like, there are definitely games where that could be what you're going for. And there are definitely games that I enjoy where that's like a thing where it's like, yeah, you're on your own. And if you're, if you die, like bad things happen. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if you are, if you want to do like an ongoing narrative, having death as a hard stop is a very, is a, is a, a tough prop, a tough proposition because then it's like, okay, well now what? Like, the world ends like what happens what happened like so i think one thing that i've sort of thought a lot about is figuring out ways to do things other like if if you get into a lose condition figuring out ways other than just dying story ends go home like like that because i think that allows you to move the narrative forward even if they even if things go poorly yeah, I think you're right in that there are definitely some games where that is definitely a possible ending. Yeah. And that's that means something within the context of the story, you know, that has an effect. Interesting. For people who maybe don't want to modify existing games but would like to create a two-player game from scratch, is there any any other advice that you'd offer, like any any must-haves in a two-player game that we didn't already talk about? I think going back to what I was saying about the intimacy, I think if you're going to design a two-player game, I think that you're doing yourself a misservice if you don't think about – if you don't at least think about, like, how is this going to tie into, like, the heightened sense of intimacy of two people sort of sitting across the table looking at each other for an hour and a half. Yeah. I think that's a thing because I think I think that's such a ripe – a ripe thing, and I, I think that you're – I think that you'd be doing yourself a misservice if you didn't consider that. Because I feel like that's leaving that's leaving money, you know, that sweet role playing <laughs> uh, emotional money. Yeah, it's leaving that on the table. I think um, another thing is timing. I think time is an important thing to consider if you're designing a two player game. In what way? 
Um, the games, I've never played a two-player game for four hours. But I've also never played, like, a six-person game in under that. <laughs> or maybe I have. Like, I might have played one in two hours once or twice. But, like, I've never played a full group game in the, in as short a time as I've played two-player games. Right. And gotten the same narrative sense of completeness. Like, in an hour, I've played two-player games and been like, I don't have anything else to say. Like, I've we've finished this story. It mm-hmm. is perfect. It is complete. I'm good to go. I'm good. Like, we're wrapped <laughs> up. I don't know that I've ever played, like, a four-person game and had that same experience. And I so I think because you're you're carrying so much more of that narrative between two people, you're making progress at a much faster rate. Mm-hmm. So I think that's also something to consider when you're designing a game is, like, plan for more t- more stuff and less time rather than, like, more time for less stuff. <laughs> I like that. Do you think like any any two player game or or game that has been adapted for two players could they be played as a campaign? Uh yeah, there are definitely some um there's a game called Scarlet Heroes which is a hack of old school Dungeons and Dragons which was designed for a single player. And I think that because of it's like a traditional D&D game would be really easily adapted, like easily played as a campaign because you could just pick up the same character and be like what happens next. And so I think games sort of in that traditional vein would translate really well. Um, I know there's one in development that we played on the show um, like a week or two ago, Project Wingspan, which is being developed specifically for a two-player campaign. And having read it, like, that's really interesting is the way it's, it's built to see, like, changes over time. And I think that's super neat. Like, I'm really into that. Yeah. So yeah, I think so, and I think that I know I'm real. I'm really ex- I I get really excited about the idea of like a two player campaign, but I also appreciate that a lot of games are like, okay, we've told this. You know, I I appreciate the notion of we've told our story. Like we don't need to keep this going. Yeah, absolutely. There there's a lot of power in that. I think I I've only played a couple two player games, and it is there. It's 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 a very unique experience to have it something is. that intense and then wrap it up and just kind of leave it. Yeah, it's one of those things where I every t- like I would say the number of the number of times where I've walked away from recording an episode and been like, man, I got to make a sequel to that. That's that one like that one lingered in my head mm-hmm. is at I'm gonna say every single episode. Like, I don't, I can't really, like, I don't know that there are very many that I could point to and be like, yep, that one, I'm done with that one. Walking away from that. Because, like, they oh, linger. Because, yeah. you know, you yeah. have this intense experience and you're like, okay, you want to keep thinking about it. And I think, mm-hmm. so, I, yeah, I agree. Do you have any favorite two-player? Um, I I have a lot of favorites. Um, I'm a big fan. I like 14 Days a lot. Like, that's a, that's an experience mm-hmm. that I think, I, I, I think back a lot on is playing 14 Days. I think that's a very emotional game and one that, like, what we were just saying about lingering, like, that one's an interesting one because I don't want to go back and play, like, the same character, but I just keep thinking about that game and, like, the experience Mm. of playing it. So that one is very close to my heart. I like Scarlet Heroes a lot just because it is that it it gives me the traditional experience that I want with a single player, and I think it Mm -hmm. has some very neat rules mechanics designed to accommodate that. Cool. Have you played any one-player RPGs? I've played a lot of one-player RPGs, actually, because yeah. I, I get bored at work. <laughs> Just kidding. I do I do work during the work hours. So yeah. I'm hardworking. We all do our work. It's fine. Um. Yeah. No, I've played a lot of one-player games. I like them. I like one-player games a lot. I've tried recording one-player games as, like, bonus content, and, like, 
I have a great deal of fun with it, but then I go back and listen and I'm like, this does not translate to an audio medium. Oh, no. The only one that I'm super familiar with, or I guess the only one that I think I own, is one that uh, we talked about on the most recent Second Watch, and it's The Beast, uh, which I haven't played yet. I know I said I was going to in that show, um, but I just, I, like, it It sits on my shelf and it, I look at it, and I've read a card or two. You know, I, I, I think mm-hmm. about it a lot, but I haven't played it yet. And that one I know is to be played over the course of, like, several weeks, and you keep a journal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what are, what are the one-player games that you've played, and, and like, how do those... How do you play those? Do you do you write down your experience? Do you what do you do? Uh, I actually have played the Beast. I after <laughs> I saw you and Hannah Schaefer and a few other people talking about it on Twitter, I picked it up. Nice. And I didn't play it over the course of several weeks because I do not like spo- I do not like spoilers and waiting for things. Oh, yeah. So I, yeah, I I broke the rules and ended up playing it over like three days or something. But nice. I did play the Beast. I really enjoyed that. Um, that one was inter- It was a real interesting experience. Um, yeah, I'm I'm simultaneously like really looking forward to it, but I also feel like I need to wait to be yeah. like. Yeah, it needs to be the right time. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a it was an interesting one. I cool. really enjoyed it though. Uh, I like that one. What I'll tend to do with a lot of solo games is like yeah, like write down my experiences. Like there's a game called or like a game supplement called like the Mythic GM Emulator, where okay. it's a series of tables designed to like answer your questions. So you ask it yes or no questions. You say, like, I'm kicking open this door. Is there a monster on the other side? You then decide real quickly how likely it is that there's something on the other side. Mm -hmm. And then roll on, like, a percentile dice. Hmm. And it'll tell you either yes, no, yes, but, no, but, yes, and, no, and. Like, it Hmm. gives you a very specific answer. Sometimes it'll be like, hey, surprise, there's a plot twist involving these three elements. Pick one and go. Oh, cool. So I do I do that a fair amount. Um, so yeah, I'll tend to write down my experiences. Um, Scarlet Heroes actually has a really has like a detailed section on if you're playing if you're if you're playing by yourself. Like here are <laughs> the rules and stuff that you need, and I really appreciate that. Nice. Um, and then there's a there's a game called The Plant by Jason Morningstar, mm-hmm. which is designed for a single player. It's about a father looking for his daughter in an abandoned factory. Oh, gosh. And you have to, like, fill out, like, answer questions as you're flipping over cards to, like, go into different rooms. It's like, it's like, why are you angry at, why are you angry at her? And you have to write down, like, what she did to make you angry. And it's like, it's like, and then you, like, as you go, it's like, you have to figure out, like, what happens if she's okay. Like, if your relationship is okay. Like, all that stuff. It was really interesting. I played that, just, I played that once. And, like, I remember, I just remember sitting, like, with all my cards laid out and being like, man, that was an experience. Yeah. Oh boy. I that sounds like it'd be a hard one to play. It's real neat. It was real good. That's cool. So yeah, I really like I like one player games. I think they are a neat and it it's much like two player games in that it's a very different experience than than playing with another person or a group. But I think it's it is a very satisfying creative exercise. Yeah. Like I I find it easier to write things when they have like a structure like role playing games to think about. Mm-hmm. And so it helps me sort of tell stories in my head by myself when I feel like telling a story. Yeah, that's very cool. And I, I know that that can be a kind of like a, a blurry line, I guess, whether or not is that really a game, you know, that, that sort of yeah. question. But like, yeah, I, th- I think so. It, it, whether you're, you're getting something va- very valuable out of it, I feel. Yeah. Uh, that's... I think that's, that's kind of how I feel about that question in general is if it's a game or not, if I'm getting something, if I'm enjoying it and getting something out of it, like, yeah. 
Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Then, then heck yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to talk about zero player games because those don't exist. They don't exist. Uh, some other, some other hacks can talk yeah. about that. What can, what can the larger games, or I guess <laughs> in this case, even as many as two or three players, you know, the, 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 the campaigns and stuff that we're used to, what can larger games learn from two player games? I think they can definitely learn. I think the biggest thing for me coming out of two-player games into other games, like after running a bunch of two-player games and then going into like a party group game, the thing that stood out to me is give every player their moment in the spotlight. Give, you know, like the cool thing to me about a two-player game, the thing that I really love about a two-player experience is that you are telling your character's story like for like you are telling you're the star of the show and you get to tell this really personal story that connects with what you like about your character and their backstory and their friends and enemies and all that stuff like mm -hmm. i think that's of such a cool satisfying experience that i think that's what i would that's what i've always carried with me into like one of the run games for a group is giving every player that moment of I guess you'd say completion, but I don't, but I know a lot, but like not, you know, yeah, that works and doesn't at the same time. But I think that's a good way of describing it is mm -hmm. giving them that, that beat, that moment of, yeah, this is the thing that I wanted this character to do and I've gotten to do it and I feel satisfied giving them that without, I guess, lampshading it or making it obvious, like finding a way to deliver that moment in a natural way. Yeah making it so that every player feels like they're the star of the show and they got to complete their story. Cool. I think that's really good advice. Yeah, I feel like that's I like that. That's the thing that I think translates. And I think finding a way to build that intimacy that is so great about that is so great within a two-player game in a larger game is a challenge. I don't know that I've ever done it, but I think that's that would yeah. be like a really satisfying is finding a way to and it's kind of the same kind of a different way of thinking about the same thing is finding a way to feel like it's just like every like when you're when somebody's doing something finding a way to make it feel like the two of you are alone and like that it's just you and them mm -hmm. i think is i think that is a way to really heighten the overall drama or the overall narrative of a game because then everybody is coming in with that same level of investment that they would if they were the only person at the table and i think that would drive things in a very interesting way Again, I don't know if I've ever done it. I don't know if it can yeah. be done. It probably can. Yeah, probably. But I think that would be pretty cool. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm wondering if there are any, uh, you know, two-player games that you could kind of fit into the larger game, either between a player and the GM, maybe in, in the off time, or between two players while you're playing the larger game, just to kind of help I have give, give some scaffolding, I guess, for that intimacy. Thought about, I've thought a lot about that, actually. Yeah. Because I am super fascinated. I've lately been super fascinated with the idea of, like, putting games in other games and, like, switching between games on the fly. And two things – the two things that I would love to do is I would love to, in the middle of a larger group game, bust out a game of Reflections. Mm. Like, if two, if two players – if yes. two – like, a character and an enemy are just, like, at that moment, just be like, okay – Here's here's what's gonna happen now. <laughs> I'd like you to take these pamphlets. Yeah, uh, <laughs> please take. Here's a sheet of paper. You're going to rip it in half yeah. by the end. The other thing I'd love to do is either between sessions or as a side thing in like a traditional game is just turn take a hard turn into Mars Colony. Mm. If it, like where a player has taken over like a government position, be like, okay, great. 
let's see how this goes. Like, let's explore how this pro- how like you do as a governmental figure. Oh, so I th- good. I think that would be super cool. And then like just run it from there. Be like, okay, great, you made some mistakes. Great. <laughs> so yeah, I've definitely thought a lot about slotting like two player games into larger games as I like change in the narrative flow. And yes. I'm really excited by the idea. Now my now my gears are spinning. Oh boy. I love it when that happens. Oh, it's great. Anything else that you want to touch on with two-player RPGs that we didn't get to? I don't think so. I feel like we hit all the, the greatest hits. Um, yes. I think one thing I would say if anybody was designing is going – like what we were saying at the very, very start, um, mm-hmm. don't be afraid to get weird with it. <laughs> I don't know a better way to put that, but like don't – feel like like one of the things that i love about two-player games and i said this earlier to an extent but like you can like you can get so much more specific like i always tell people when we're especially when we're playing like sort of open-ended games like with like world of darkness games or dungeons and dragons i'm like give me the character that you've always wanted to play but like you always feel like is going to sabotage the group or steal the spotlight or like mm-hmm. not that's not going to mesh. Give me the character that you've never been able to play because you realize, oh, that I can't do this in a group. And I think if you're designing a two player game, like there's no reason not to lean hard into that impulse of, well, yeah. I can't make this story work with a full group, but if I have two people, there's no reason not to. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, oh, that's I think. Perfect a real winning aspect of two player games. Wonderful. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Um, oh, where can we find you on the internet, Jeff? Uh, there's a lot of places you can find me on the internet. You can find party of one at soundcloud.com slash party of one podcast. You can also find it on Twitter at party of one pod and facebook.com slash party of one podcast. I also do a second podcast, which I will briefly plug. It is called all my fantasy children. It is a show in which we take listener prompts and turn them into role-playing game characters. And it is a lot of fun. Nice. Uh, you can find that at soundcloud.com slash allmyfantasychildren. Twitter is amfc underscore podcast or facebook.com slash allmyfantasychildren. And the last thing is I submitted a game for the Golden Cobra. So you can check out this year's Golden Cobra anthology to see a thing that I wrote. It is a LARP that uses karaoke as its core mechanic. That's right. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, man. I got real excited because I just said on Facebook – I specifically was just like, I want a karaoke real badly. And a mm-hmm. friend of a friend that of the podcast was just posted on my Facebook, like, is there a karaoke RPG? And I, I was driving to work and I was like, am I writing this? Am I writing this right now? Damn it. I'm writing yeah. this game right now. <laughs> so like I skipped lunch that day at, in the office to just be like, mm-hmm. all right, all right. I'm writing this up. Oh, this turned out good. <laughs> oh no, this turned out really good. What did I do? Did I do bad? Oh, oh, that's good. Yeah, it was. I, I'm it's real. So I'm real happy with that game. It's called Empty Orchestra, and <laughs> it's about like a group of young marginalized revolutionaries fighting like this big totalitarian regime. It's very rock opera, like influenced. Uh-huh. It's that sort of big Jim Steinman meatloaf style, like you know, this town we got to get out of this town type yep. experience, and it's all about like figuring out a plan and then singing sort of emotionally capturing that plan in a performance in a song. I'm really happy with how that game turned out. I could gush away oh, more about okay. it. But yeah, I no, I'm super excited. So do you have to like choose the appropriate songs for what you're trying to do? Yeah, it's Is that Yeah, what I said in the game, because it's like one page and I wanted I real specifically wanted to be one page because I like micro games mm-hmm. a whole lot. Yeah. Um 
is you want to pick a song that might might reflect some literal aspect of it, but probably more accurately just reflects, like, your emotional state. Like, okay. if your plan is somehow, like, it's not necessarily, like, finding a song about, you know, inspiring a mass protest as much as it is, like, I'm angry and I am scared and I want to find a song that is, like, angry and furious and sort of screaming into the void. <laughs> And I th- and so it was it was and then the the other half of it is when you're singing the rest of your group is sort of watching you and judge and sort of deciding how that action goes about based on your performance not the literal mm-hmm. notes of it I included a specific note in the game about do not criticize somebody else's singing because that is how the opposition yeah. wins because I don't like people doing that during karaoke oh. that makes me upset I don't yay. like it but it's about oh, like yay. you know did they did they did they do, were they brave and were they like – did they sort of give their fullest performance? Like did they commit? You know, it's that type of thing. Like how – That's so good. Yeah. How into the spirit of karaoke did they get? Yay. Good. Oh, I love karaoke oh, That though. makes me happy. And since that's Golden Cobra, I assume you're going to be at Metatopia. I am going to be at Metatopia. I actually have um, a panel about two-player games hey. Saturday morning, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. Um I think it's Alex, at 11. Yeah, I think it's at 11. I think it's Saturday at 11. Uh, Alex Roberts, Jim McClure, and Russell Collins, who designed Project Wingspan, are going to be on there talking two-player games with me. Cool. Super excited about that. Awesome. Uh, any other con plans? Um, Not at the moment. Uh, okay. Next year, I'm going to make... Next year's going to be a big con push year, but I got to make sure that like my finances agree with me on that. Yes, that is the hard part. Cool. Well, this, is, this will come out uh, this week, so right before Metatopia... Um, or not right before, but with with enough head headroom yeah. there, so people can come. So come to Metatopia and hang out with me. Which Check out your great. panel. Let's, let's let's play this karaoke game. Oh, I want to play this karaoke game real badly, though. Yes, absolutely. We'll do that. Cool. Thank you so much. This has been really fun. Oh, thank you. Thanks again to Jeff for being on the show. Be sure to check out Party of One if anything we talked about today seemed interesting to you. He's got a wide range of games and players. Some of each you're bound to know. When the next episode comes out, I'll be on the train to Metatopia and hopefully to seeing some of you. That's it for this week, heroes. You can find Modifier on Twitter at Modifier Podcast or at the headquarters at modifierpodcast.tumblr.com. You can send comments, questions, or contribution suggestions to modifierpodcast at gmail.com. If you like the show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes as that helps more people find us. Modifier is a proud member of the OneShot Podcast Network, an amazing family of RPG podcasts that includes incredible shows like OneShot, Campaign, Backstory, and Talking Tabletop. Modifier's theme music was created by my favorite Bothan, Cat Greenfield, whose myriad talents are on display at catgreenfield.com. Join me again in two weeks for another episode of Modifier. See you then. <laughs>